Well, welcome back. Episode Here we are. Nine. Episode nine. Science in between. Scott. Oh, sorry. Yes. In between. Yeah. That. So it, see, see you in between. Is see the, you is in the, between. This is science in between. And this is, in fact, episode nine. And I'm Ollie. And I'm Scott. And, and what's the topic today, Scott? You want to frame the topic, this for us? The topic today is we're going to talk about what it means what phenomenon driven science teaching means, what it mean, what a phenomenon is, because this is a point of contention that many people um, struggle with, especially science teachers um, struggle with. Um, and what's the difference between phenomenon driven teaching and, and regular kinds of teaching. Um, and then uh, what does that even look like then in this new universe this, where we, we don't get to, you know, like right. we see the universe through a camera lens. Um, yeah. So how do we, how do we think about phenomenon driven instruction in this new world? So let me start Scott by asking you why, why this topic, this was, a, I, we were sending back and forth, uh, yeah. like, but why, why do you, why do we choose this topic? Why is this a, yeah. an area of interest? Why, why should the, fo- the, the two or three people who are listening to this episode, yeah. why, should, why should our, why should our spouses care? About, right. My spouse right. is not listening to this. No, she nor is, is not, mine. Right. No, no. Um, so, so why should we care? I think we should care because for me anyway, this is the crux of, of um, what differentiates forms of uh, ambitious and equitable teaching from more traditional status quo teaching, right? So um, because <clears throat> if you can't understand this, this piece, like what is the difference between teaching content versus um, right. teaching phenomenon, the explanation of phenomenon, um, you can't, all the other stuff doesn't make any sense. Cause it just feels like, why are we doing this? It seems really like, the I mean, there's, march. there's the, the death, the death march. march. Yeah. With fun sauce. Right. Cause we got some technology in there. Um, so yeah, so that's why this topic is because it's, it's the foundational understanding. It's the thing that you really have to get your head around if you want to be able to do, innovative science teaching because otherwise you're just you're just um you know rearranging the deck chairs on the titanic as i used to say right which is like okay you're you're doing your you're you're putting the fun sauce on the death march like you're whatever the metaphor is you're you're really not making fundamental change in the way that you're thinking about science instruction and making it about practices of science and and fundamentally therefore about explanation so 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 I, I think probably a fair number of our listeners who are um, or science teachers are probably come at, probably came up in a time period where like, hey, using some sort of activating strategy, right? Presenting mm. them with some sort of activating strategy to kind of hook them, to get them interested, mm-hmm. right? That that is good practice and it is good mm-hmm. practice. Um, but I think <clears throat> we would both argue that that may not be enough, right? Mm-hmm. It's not enough just to, to spark their interest. Right. Would you agree with that? Yeah. yeah. So there's like this. Um, so when I was in teacher education programs, they were talking about discrepant events and predict, sure. observe and explain and mm-hmm. the five E model. Like they had, yeah. there were models around this, right? Like around inquiry science teaching. What does this look like? And how do we think about it? And it's a scaffold yeah, and, practice, the scaffold practice to help people, you know, move from more traditional forms to try to understand how to do this in their classroom, because it was, really so foreign it was so outside of the norm of their own experiences as teachers and their own experiences as students and so this is sort of like these scaffolds to get them into you know modes of instruction that they may not be you know really comfortable or experienced with 
Well, and it was and it was also driven by learning theory, right? So at that yeah. point, conceptual change was the dominant paradigm Absolutely. in science education. And one of the big pieces of conceptual change is this idea of the ideas changing, right? And so what does that mean? Well, one of the big ones is you want this sort of transformational change, the aha moment, the, right. the and to get those. in the equilibrium, right? right? You need to disequilibriate. Dis, uh, wow. your, your, yeah. That. So disequilibrate? You got dis it the first time. Okay, whatever. One of those things. So basically the idea of this discrepant event pedagogy was totally linked to conceptual change, right? It, which is like kids have some notion in their head. You give them this thing that conflicts with that notion in such a dramatic way that they have to reconceptualize their whole understanding of this area and at least this profound like aha moment. So, right. you know, and that can be structured as a predict, observe, explain where you ask, you give the kids the setup, ask them to make an idea of about what's going to happen then you give it to them and then they're like oh my god it's totally different than what i expected and, and, and now and, they have to figure it out right and as as physics people we have a lot of things that we it's almost like being like the magician of science right totally. you can do this and it was it's fun it's the monkey gun monkey, the monkey gun. gun we could do that all come day. on monkey i know gun. monkey gun like just all of two-dimensional motion is yeah. is fun yeah. Right, and it's these the bowling things. ball with the thing on your. You put your kid's head against the wall, and the bowling Absolutely. ball against his nose, and it swings way out and swings back, and you're like. And we can go into E and M with, uh, you know, oh. fluorescent light. Right, hold that oh. near a Van de Graaff generator, and. You know, so much cool. It's stuff. so cool. Yeah, yeah, no one's predicting that's happening, and then no. you can build on that, um, but that discrepant event is not enough, right? And that's what you're starting with. That's the. Yeah, because, well, part right to your point, like that—that's such a small part of of what ended up being the kind of teaching that it 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 just became a a, a more like as you said, sort of like magiciany version Absolutely. of of the rote description or the rote explanation or the rote lab for that matter, right? It's just like, oh, look at this cool thing. Now go explain it, and the explanation right was was always pretty rote as well. So it was like you it's not like that led to investigations and thinking and other stuff after it it was like okay here's here now figure out why this thing happened and then explain it and the explanation was meant to be you know normative it was meant to be the explanation that the teacher had and the kids were just supposed to sort of cook it up on their own and right. write it down and we're so, we're trying yeah. to get them to explain using maybe their words what we want them to say so right. it's sort of like you know getting them the puppet but using this discrepant event or this phenomenon to be able right. to, you know, hook them into it, to engage them, to spark them. And then, yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's a weak phenomenon. I mean, I think that's, and, and I think this, you see this even today in the phenomenon driven instructional thinking, like everybody wants to, you know, cook up the wackiest, you know, it's like, well, we got to do zombie ants, right? Like we can't do something normal. Uh, right. that just happens in the world. Like we got to have some crazy thing the kids are going to be super excited about. Cause if they, cause that's what, you know, so that's part of it too, is the other, and I don't know if that carries over from discrepant event land or whether that's just part of the whole death march with fun sauce problem where like, you feel like you have to have it be something cool. Otherwise kids are going to say, Oh no, I'm not interested in that. Well, so, or, or is it just the nature of culture and society right now? Cause there are seeing so many, wacky crazy things on youtube and tiktok that they're just going you know they're 
uh, level of interest or suspense or excitement has just, you know, ratcheted up because, you know, yeah. you don't think I don't so? know about that. I, I think I think we're human beings in in a fundamental way. We want to understand things that are that we don't understand. And so, if you can, I mean, it does require framing by the teacher. But um, but I don't think I don't think kids are so blasé about that. Like they get excited about really stupid, simple things that, that you know that they're seeing on TikTok or whatever. So it's not. Um, yeah, I, I I for me, it's really about. You're, what you're trying to do is engage them in a deep way about their own intellectual curiosity about the world and trying to understand it. So, and picking those things is hard, right? And picking the phenomenon that is, right? So picking the things that are hard because they have to be something that the kids can sort of get their heads on sure. and that you can present in a way that they can engage with. And they also have to be complex enough that they can drive bigger chunks of curriculum. So it can't be a really simple thing. It's gotta be something that requires um, deeper investigation, uh, but it can't be so complex that they can't actually engage with the science of it. Um, and I so would it say is they should also hard. be sort of springboards into that social meaning making, right? They should afford that too, because yeah. that's that's a critical part of this whole process. Right, and I think that that's um, those are contingent upon those other things, right? Like they sure. they that has to be you know again simple enough or at least the way you present it is accessible enough that kids can actually have their own ideas about a thing. Right. It's like, you know, again, going back to the zombie ants thing, it's like, it's really hard for kids to, to do any kind of reasoning about how zombie ants might actually work. Like they, so is, this, is this really a thing you keep talking about yeah, the yeah. zombie ants? Tell me oh, more, sure. tell me more about the zombie ants. How's this? Well, it's, 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 uh, it's some, um, might or I don't even know what the hell it is. It's, but there's some organism that uh, can enter ants and basically control them. So, so it, so that they don't, they can like, I don't know if it's a virus. I'll look it up. I'll put it in the show. <laughs> All right. Show notes. So you, you think it's a, a mite or something that takes know. over. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, oh, it's a fungus. It's a fungus. Yeah. There you go. So we'll have to, what, oh, do you zombie have a, parasite takes over insects through mind control. Zombie wow. fungus takes over ants' bodies. And, and this is something that you can buy through, uh, you know, a science no. company. You're no. like, oh, give me a set of uh, zombie ants from the Carolina no. Science Company. <laughs> no, unfortunately, it does not. I don't think. But maybe. But, maybe. Uh, but yeah. So, so the point being... Uh, fancy, exciting phenomenon like zombie ants. The problem is that the science is usually not particularly useful for driving curriculum because it's way too complicated for kids to understand. So it's so it's like, oh, okay. So we've thought this really cool thing up, and now it's of no use, right? Yep. So, um, so I think you know what we're trying to talk about is like, what what do you do in this instance? Like, how do you think about what a phenomenon is? And and you know, for me, the big piece of it is. <clears throat> that especially as science teachers, we tend to think of content as a phenomenon. So it's very difficult for us to separate the explanations that we've learned about something from the thing that, that it is. So, you know, it's like, um, uh, you know, I've worked with chemistry teachers and we talk about, well, like what's a phenomenon we might use to, to drive some of the curriculum. And they say, well, the periodic table and like, Ooh, 
like <clears throat> the periodic table is is not like that's not in nature like that that's a human creation right like we did this we organized all it's not that. not you're gonna find that out there you're not gonna walk down the strip the street and trip over a periodic table no well you might you but, might but it, but it was made by somebody and they sure. put it there to trip you up um but uh yeah so i think i think this idea of like what is a phenomenon and how do you think about a phenomenon is really important and you know to to your point earlier um like what does that mean now like how do we think about that when kids can't actually physically engage with stuff yeah and and so how do we provide those phenomenon to to students who are engaging from remote or hybrid or some days face to face and some days online or some days through zoom mm. it's 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 a challenge and and i think that's where maybe maybe video comes in because that's a place where you can actually see some things happening that maybe you can frame questions or frame discussions around um yeah that, right and go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we were talking about that a little even last time about how you can break labs up by using video. So I think video is an is a is an obvious one. Um, and, you know, going out into um, into the world. Right. You know, and collecting data or, or looking at making observations about the world like there are ways that you can do some things that way. Um, but the the trick is figuring out you know, there's sort of, there's sort of two parts to it. There's the phenomenon and then how do you present the ph phenomenon to the kids, right? So, um, so like, for example, um, my, my pre-service teachers right now are working on a unit um, that they're gonna, they're developing, that they're designing. And today we worked on the gapless explanation for that, which is really the explanation of the phenomenon. But part of that, <clears throat> and well, what we're trying to do or what we're trying to look at is, broadly broadly speaking um covid but we we're specifically looking at how do you protect vulnerable populations from covid and then trying to figure out okay well what do we what do we actually need to know about it to to present that but what we're ultimately going to have to do is are we just going to ask that question are we going to provide them with some initial data or or something to think about like the 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 second question is like how do you present this thing that you want kids to grapple with to them so that they have enough of, um, you know, enough to reason with a little bit because you, because they have to start reasoning somewhere. Yeah. And so I, I'm going to ask questions that I, I are leading. Um, mm. So why, why selecting COVID as a topic of a unit? So why I'm sure that was intentional, right? Yeah. So why is that? Why is that a selection yeah so so well this this one has it's in a particular context so we're we're designing this for um for an after school group uh upward bound math and science um which is a program it's it's a federally funded national program where it brings students to usually brings students to campus and then during the academic year has some sort of follow-up um, activities so we're designing for that so we're designing for that population of students um and why COVID specifically? Um, well, one is we want it. We know it's something that everybody's had experience with right. in one way or another. And so, um, so I think that's that's powerful. So there's a relevancy thing there. There's that's right. Right. So it's something that's in 
their lives, something that's going to be in the students' lives that has relevancy for the students. So they mm -hmm. automatically are going to be connected to the topic so that they, I mean, we've, at some point, almost every one of us is going to know someone who is affected by this. Right? right. And so that has a, so has a built in interest level for the students. And it also is probably a lot of the, the stuff isn't things that we can quickly just Google, right? You're not just going to like Google because right. that we don't want to promote a, a science or a study in which the answer is, it's not, it's not memorization based. It's not like yeah. looking for the answer. It's um, the answers in the seeking of the answer, right? I yeah. mean, that's the thing we're trying to engender is that it's the process of the examination and discussion and um, selecting a topic that would have an interest for the students, I think is the critical first step. And so that's what, yeah. what I thought you were gonna, that's I was trying to lead you there, but I yeah. thought I'd jump you in. Just set, you, you just, I just said it for me, so right. that's fine. No, that it's good. good. It's all right, we share a brain sometimes. This is, this is right. one of those times. So it's, good, it's good that we, we let one side of the brain talk at a time. Yeah, and, and I think that that's a, uh, certainly a topic that depending, regardless of the type of environment that the students are working, whether it's a physical face-to-face -face classroom where the students can actually clamor around a table and look and share and talk, or if it's something that they can move into, you know, synchronous breakout rooms in Zoom, those are still things that there's that group discussion, still that sort mm -hmm. of meaning making that is so critical part of this, you know? And so I still, like, I, I think that it's a phenomenon that will exist beyond whatever environment we put them in. And that's, I think, a good, a good thing to consider is selecting that is probably the important first step in this world, this crazy in-between world that we're in is because there are some things that are just not going to lend themselves to, you know, this environment. I, I think that selection of topics is going to be the critical part, um, the critical starting point for this. Cri yeah. Selection, not topics, phenomenon. I apologize. Phenomenon. See, there you go. I know. I did hard. it. It's I like did it. built into what it you, is. It you is. think about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think, yeah, so we're, we chose COVID for that reason. We also chose COVID for, um, for the two other issues that are not really science issues per se, but are, but are related in this case. Um, so one is that um, it's a really interesting case study in the way that science works as a process, because we've been able to see the emerging understanding of COVID really in real time, right? So we can talk about what we first knew about it, how, we, how the virus initially rolled out, how we thought it spread, how we thought it worked, and how that's changed over time, and how we've communicated about that. So there is also this tension between how has the science changed and how has our understanding of that changed, and then how has the messaging changed around that, which is more sort of the political component of it, which right. sometimes we don't bring into science, but is important. Um, and then going a little deeper down that path, the way that we frame the question is specifically so that they students have to engage with the with the differences that are um, that are inequitable, right? And the fact that BIPOC people are are significantly more likely to be um, to contract the virus, and their outcomes once they contract the virus are worse. And you know, pe poor people are more likely to contract the virus and are more likely to have bad outcomes if they contract the virus. And so, so we can talk about those pieces and how science interacts with, um, with social issues there too. Yeah, that's great. Because what, what you're doing is you're using uh, science 
and not, not just using science because science is always this right science is always i think we try to teach science as it's apolitical and that it doesn't have these larger cultural contexts it's like oh well, i teach physics i don't really have to worry about like yeah. no 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 there there are it's always situated in some sort of larger socio-cultural realm and it's just whether we choose to pull that out and what does that do in terms of how we teach it and what does that do for our students and if we mm -hmm. teach it in this you know this isolated way from everything else that we're not really doing the subject or our students much service that's right yeah yeah um but you know what what we're struggling with is we're not struggling but what we're trying to figure out now which i guess is struggling is how to um frame this like what 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 are the things are we just going to give the kids the question are we going to give the kids a set of data that shows um differences in outcomes for different populations right are we going to um give them a, a story or a narrative or something that helps them you know get the point of view of a particular person and use that as a jumping off point i mean thinking about like what is going to be the the initial piece that we give them to start reasoning through and uh, about these ideas. I think that's, that's important too. And that does shift, you know, uh, as we move online, like you have access to different things, like in a classroom, you could not for COVID, for, but as you were saying for other things, you know, sometimes you can give kids stuff to actually physically manage and handle and then ask them to do some stuff with it, but you can't do that as much online. So you have to figure out how to transform that. Um, into something like you were talking about before that maybe is video or some other medium that lets them engage with that stuff. So as you're structuring that, you're considering like how you get this, how you organize these sort of, you know, this learning cycle for the students. I don't want to use that term because it's so late, mm -hmm. but it's out there it's, now. It means something, yeah. Right. right. But how you plan this for the students so it promotes sort of that like uncovering and that discovery and this, you know, examination without like giving the answer and maybe there's not even an answer, right? It's like, and, right. or also showing, showing your hand, you know, so you want to help to guide them through it without guiding them through it, right? That's the challenge is yeah. how do you do it in such a way to promote that sort of investigation and, and yeah without necessarily doing the work for them. Right. And I think, you know, the point that you made earlier is a really important one, this idea about like answers versus explanations, yeah. right? So that, that there isn't some answer book in science that you can go and look it up. Um, and we, that doesn't mean that we don't have explanations that, that we have all sort of agreed on over time that have been established. And that's what we think of as, as scientific knowledge. Um, is basically a set of explanations that are well supported and agreed upon by scientists over time um, and have been productive and useful and do help us understand the world in important ways. But um, to think of those as the correct answers is where you start getting into trouble right. because then you do take away that agency from kids to develop their own explanations. And it doesn't recognize, you know, the, the cultural basis, as you're saying, of all of that stuff. And therefore, Absolutely. you know, at least in the U.S. and really in the world, largely, there, that means that there's at least a sexist component to that, if not a, a racist and uh, other forms of of um, isms that are built into these systems that if you just try to get right to the normative answer you you 
you take away that agency from kids to be able to develop their own thinking. Yeah. I, I think that some uh, a listener or two might go, hold on, there is a big book of science out there. There is, mm. I can go and, you know, if I'm interested in finding out the mass of the earth, I could do, 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 click online and mm-hmm. get that, right? Or, yeah. you know, the latest, greatest approximation of what that is, right? Yeah. And, and I think that the, the model of science we're talking about here is saying that, while that stuff exists, that's not the type of science that we're promoting or that, that's not the type of science education we're promoting because that stuff is, while valuable in, in a certain context, it's, it, it doesn't, if that information is there, then what's the point of just learning it? Because all of the other stuff, all the processes, all of the thinking processes are things that are going to carry them beyond our science class. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I guess what I want to be careful about, and, and I don't know. So, so the example you chose, which is yeah. the mass of the earth is sort of an observable thing. So you could argue that, that, you know, I mean, we could fight about even the, what's the definition of mass. Why, why do we call stuff mass or whatever, right. but this okay. is the stuff that, this is right. the stuff that we could do over beer sometime. Yeah. Right? But we're we're not and, we, do that. and we've done it and we've done and it. We've done it. Right. But the earth exists right like right. nobody's disputing like hey is there right. an earth or is there not an earth absolutely and it, it has a bunch of stuff in it which whether you call it mass or not it's got a, it's got stuff but i think that the where we get into um where this really becomes relevant is when you start talking about things like okay well what about the water cycle well the water cycle <clears throat> is an explanation of a whole bunch of different things that happen in the world like do we get rain right yeah. or that um puddles disappear overnight right <clears throat> so and there's all and and we can drill a, a a well and get water out of the ground that seems like miraculous right so all these things we've connected with this explanation that that water is this stuff and it moves around in these particular ways and right but we start to especially as science teachers start to think of the those explanations like we think the water cycle is a real thing Right. As opposed to just an explanation that it's a, it's a model a of, to provide an that's explanation. Right. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a, a model, which is an explanation that ex- explains a whole bunch of these different things that happen around the world. Right. Yeah. And so we say, Oh, isn't that great? Like now the water cycle is so for our phenomenon, we're going to choose the water cycle. And you're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Yeah. Like that's not a thing. You can't look out the window and see the water cycle. You can look out the window and see rain, see rain, right. Or puddles yeah. or, or a well puddles or a well, those are all phenomena. And those are, those are like, how do we get, how is it that we can drill a hole in the ground and water is miraculously just there, but it depends on where you drill the well. Like you don't always get water. Only sometimes you get water. Well, how's yeah. that work? And you have to drill the different depths to get water. Well, that seems weird. Like if which, there's water under there, it should all be in the same place. Which in itself, okay. So let's just go down this because I think this is a really a great point for this. If you're if you made it to this part of the episode, this is great. Because <laughs> right. I think if 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 you haven't fallen asleep yet, yeah, if you haven't fallen asleep, <laughs> because I think it's in itself. If if we were like, let's steer away from the water cycle and let's just talk about wells, right? Which in itself, you could just go, okay, why would we talk about wells? But in today's world 
the the depth of wells is constantly changing because the depth of you know the the water table is lowering in a lot of places and mm-hmm. that has so- social and political ramifications right, right. and economic yep. ones and there's so much that's rich there that can be yep. investigated and we can give them some of the data to show this and say what are some of the factors that is influ- are influencing it and like have them start more thinking more broadly. So that is, I think, a really great, you know, discussion. This is the unintended discussion, right? Yeah. We got to the, the water cycle just, you know, from the mass of the earth, which came from someplace else. But that I, but I think that leads to the, like a really critical distinction for the type of science you're talking about, that we're talking yeah, about. I agree, yeah. And I think that the profound truth is um, that sometimes you don't realize is just like you've done with wells or we've done with wells. Like there's, there's so many things out in the world that like we take for granted that we understand how they work. And then when you actually start really digging into how they yeah. work, it, you're, you're astonished. Like you could do the same thing with rain. Yeah. Like, well, wait a minute, how do clouds form? And then how, how do clouds rain? And then how does thunder and lightning happen? Like all these things, like we just take it for granted. Like that's the thing that happens. Like, you know, clouds form and they're rain. But, <clears throat> but there's a lot of science there that we just take entirely for granted and don't try to explain. Um, but you could do a deep dive into clouds. Um, and, and that would eventually get you much of the stuff that you would learn, you know, from being taught the water cycle. But you would develop your own explanations for it in much more profound and interesting ways. So you know, most of the stuff in the world is complicated and interesting and we just treat it like it's not. And that's why I think, you know, sometimes these things that we, you don't have to have zombie ants, you just have to say, well, clouds, like yeah. where do clouds come from? It's like, well, clouds just are in the sky. Yeah, okay. Like there's it's a, just there's magic. A cloud, there's a cloud machine. Cloud machine. Cloud well, machine. there is one of those in State College that we have it downtown. Oh, that's, that's nice. That's yeah, great. just cloud machine. Huh. So, uh, so we need to we 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 need to put a bow around this here because because uh, we got yeah. a, a little bit of a, a a time thing today. Sure, we do. So, um, but I think uh, what I want to say is like this 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 question about phenomena and how to think about it and what how you choose them as a science teacher and how you use them to drive curriculum is this really central point. So. I would encourage you if you are a science teacher to go back and look at like how you teach science and think about what are the phenomena, not the topics, like you said, Ali, yeah. like don't, don't say, Oh uh, yeah, I, I caught you. myself. I caught myself. No, I know that's what I'm saying, but we all do it. Right. I mean, we, sure. and so um, not what are the topics that you teach, but are there phenomena that you're teaching? Um, because my guess is if they appear in your curriculum, the place they appear is maybe at the end where you're doing like the application right. section, right. Where you say like, okay, now you know all about genetics now tell me why two dogs can look different. It's like, okay, that's, you know, it's fine. It's something, at least it's, it's a connection. Yeah. But it's not, it's not science. But, but it's also, it, there's also a, an answer that is easily found, right? right. We could go, somebody can Google that. Why do two dogs and come up with the answer and now they have the explanation, the puppet. Yeah. yeah which is no good for anybody. Yeah. All right, so I think that's a bow. We'll, we'll, we'll call that. It we'll, is. It's a bow for now. It's a and, it's and a temporary I'm sure, bow. I'm sure we'll come back to this. We'll put a pin in that too. I'm sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, things that brought us joy this week. Things that are bringing us joy in this, yeah. the time of COVID. 
Um, yep. We're still in that. Uh, we are. So Do you have I, one? I, I'll go first this time. All right. Um, I, and I hope this isn't something that you recommended because if it, if it is already that I'll feel, I'll feel, I'll, like feel jerk, but I'll feel great. Yeah. You'll feel great. So Joe Lasso. No. Okay. So um, this is uh, it's on Apple TV plus, which, you know, a more so. poorly named service has never been conceived of, but okay. Um, Cause it's, yeah, but it is a show with uh, 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 Jason Sudeikis, Sudeikis. Um, and it, the premise of the show is really simple, which is um, there is this guy who is a football coach at a division two school in the U S and he gets hired by this woman uh, in England who just has inherited this football team from her husband, who's sort of a jerk. Um, and, and in the settlement, she gets the football, the, sorry, the soccer team, right? So they call it football, this, the, this premier league soccer team. And she hires this guy to come and be the coach of, of the soccer team. So she hires a football coach from the U S to come be a soccer coach. And he's, <clears throat> he literally knows nothing about the game. Like he, he, do, he does, he does not know two things about soccer and the show is like, you know, I've only seen part of it. I haven't seen the whole series yet, but um, it's just like, he's so great. Jason Sudeikis is so great. And um, the, the show is funny, but like, he's like a genuinely nice guy. So it's very heartwarming and it's uh it's you know so far i give it two big thumbs up and uh, awesome. and it and it's short it's half an hour episodes and it just you watch it and you're like yeah i feel i feel good about life so i highly recommend joe last that's awesome so my uh my joy this week i'm going to kind of zig a little bit it's going to it's going to be a book mm. it's going to be a book series i i oh. tend to when i read sorry it's ted lasso <laughs> That's Ted what, Lasso. That's what, that's what a disaster I am. It's Ted Lasso, not not uh, Joe, Joe Lasso. Lasso. Okay, the, Joe Lasso. Don't Google that because who don't, knows don't, that would be. Oh, oh, God. oh yeah. Boy. Oh no. That could be yeah. really bad. That yes. could be bad. So yeah. m- mine is a book series. I tend to get on like books when I read. Uh, when I read socially or just for uh, personal enjoyment, I try to avoid you know things that are like too heavy, um, or too you know, deep. And, and I actually avoid like really good literature. I don't mean this is a, uh, a slam, but I've been reading the gray man series. Are you familiar with this? Like, this is kind of like the Jack Reacher kind of, there's all of these oh, like yes. lone gunman series, like where, mm-hmm. you know, the guy goes into, he's a traveling lone guy, lone assassin or Lo- whatever. Lone assassin dude. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a ton of these that I think growing up, you know, I was, I've read a ton of different series like this, but the, the current one I'm in is by Mark Graney, um, about halfway through the Gray Man series. I'm on Deadeye right now. And I think there's a total of like nine different books in this series, but each one talks about this guy, Court Gentry, who was a CIA agent. And now he's been, always you know, a CIA agent. there's always that guy, but he's been, he's been kicked out of the CIA and, of course he's he on has. His own, and the CIA has him on this list that, you know, shoot to kill if they see him. So he's got a, and it's, it's so far removed from my life that it is, you know, enjoyable. Wait, wait you're still in the CIA is what you're saying? I am, no, I'm so far removed from that kind of life. Yeah, you know? because you're still in the CIA. You're right, not out exactly. as a rogue agent. I'm not so, a rogue agent yeah. yet. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, so 
that's bring that brings me joy. It's it's not um it's a New York Times bestseller series, bestselling series. So there's that. However, um it's not something that's going to you know change the world. It's going to just be sure. It, 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 it doesn't have to change the world, Ali. It just has to bring you joy. It does bring me joy, and that's it's all that matters. That's the topic, right? Yeah. So um so phenomenon based science this week, and uh, yeah. And Ted Lasso, not. Joe Ted, Lasso. Ted Lasso and Gray Man series and the Gray so. Man series and yeah. um, we'll see you next time. Yeah, we'll see you in between. In between. All right. See you now. See ya.